Hi, I'm Roxanne Serta, and I'm the acquisitions editor for CNT Publishing. I've been acquiring books for nearly 20 years, and the past seven of those have been here at CNT. Through my job, I get the privilege of meeting countless designers, authors, and industry professionals who all do amazing things with their creativity. I'll be bringing some of those quilting and stitching personalities to this podcast to share their amazing stories and insider information. Download the latest episodes and get to know great crafters, learn the backstories behind events and people, and hear funny stories from people living the crafty life. Hi, this is Roxanne Serta with Behind the Scenes, and today we're here with Laura Koya, who's the founder and celebrity host of the very successful and inspiring So Very Easy YouTube channel, founded in 2014. She has been awarded the Silver Creator Award by YouTube and an Ultimate Zoomer Award by Zoomer Media Limited. Laura is also a freelance seamstress, educator, author, and registered professional with more than 45 years of experience in teaching quilting, tailoring, garment repairs, and garment construction. Um, thank you so much for taking time out of what I know is a very busy schedule. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Well, and so, you know, you're one of, you're one of our authors and you and I have worked together um, for quite some time now um, yeah. on some of your books. But before that, you've been a part of the sewing industry for a long time, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so what's, what is the most unusual or unexpected place that you've worked? I have worked in a lot of places. I started sewing really in the industry when I was about 15, 16 years old. Because I have been sewing um, ever since I was sitting on my mother's knee. So um, I think one of my very first jobs is I worked at a boutique. And those were the days that you could go in and they would actually hem the pants that you bought. So I worked, that was one of my first jobs. And I helped the uh, tailor there working on the women's clothing. I've worked in a leather factory, sewing on leather wallets. That was a lot of fun. And I've worked in quilt shops. I've worked uh, at Moore's Clothing for Men, doing alterations for men's suits and men's pants. That was always a fun job. So those were the jobs that I've actually done outside of the home. Um, at home, I have taught privately and in class settings. So I've had a lot of I've had a lot of different fun jobs in um, in the industry. Well, and then I know that in well, obviously in 2014 you moved to teaching on YouTube, um, and I know that it was you kind of gave it a try because of prompting by your son. But why did video become your medium of choice? Because for most people, it's not usually the first choice. I could reach more people. I think what it was is at first, it was just going to be a bit of a hobby to see if I liked it. But I really, really enjoyed doing it. And I think what I enjoyed the most was the comments from people all over the world. And they were asking me questions and I was able to answer those questions through video. And I really believe that if one person has that question, someone else has that question. So then it was able just to open up all of the experience I was, I had, I was able to put that out to people that wanted it. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. <laughs> so I, I love, I love doing the videos. I love reading the comments. People all over the world is, is fabulous. Well, and I know at least for 
me watching technology evolve over the past six years, like it's just been leaps and bounds with what you can do. Is it hard to keep up with all of that? No, because I, I, I'm able to do a little bit at a time, but I just try to keep up with the technology. The hardest part was learning it all at the beginning because I'm at the demographics where I was not brought up with a computer. So for me, the fax machine was still pretty amazing before I started the videos. So I started these videos and I had to learn not only how to film, lighting, sound, um, the computer. I had to buy editing software so that I could edit all of the videos so you don't hear me going, uh, mm, in the video because we need to take those out. So that was more of a challenge than keeping up now. And I do have children and you know what they say, if you need help with anything in the computer related, ask your children. So having three of them, one of them is bound to be available to give me advice, probably more advice than I really want. <laughs> yeah, I know how that goes. Um, well, and I think a lot of people don't realize that you actually are part of a two channel household. So like, how does that work? Oh, well, dinner conversations are quite interesting. So my husband has a YouTube channel and he just received his silver YouTube button for, uh, you know, 100,000 subscribers. And his is a fishing channel. So he does all of his videos outside, fishing related, though there are a couple in the house. But with both of us in YouTube and filming and doing all of these things, we're able to you know, help each other with advice. What have we discovered? What do we find that works good? If he needs a cameraman, I'm able to jump in. If, if I need a cameraman, he's able to jump in. So it's kind of an interesting, it's just an interesting thing. And I, and actually there's in my home, there's two, but my oldest son is in YouTube. My middle son is also in YouTube. So <laughs> I'm a family of five and my daughter is, is the only one who says, no, I'm not doing YouTube. So out of five of us, four of us um, uh, do YouTube. So it's quite interesting that the entire family now has embraced this uh, technology and this new way of teaching. So. Wow. I didn't realize you had four channels in the family. I just thought there were yes. two. <laughs> no, there's four. My son just started it last week. Okay. So yeah, that's new, but that's it'll new. grow. It'll grow. Yeah. Well, and so my, in, in disclosure, my son subscribes to uh, your husband's YouTube channel and um, do you ever, it's, it is fishing and it's often yes. out in a boat. So do you ever find yourself like sitting in a boat filming fishing? Oh yes. Oh yes. I'm I'm there with the tripod filming him. And, oh, well, actually, in a boat, we can't have a tripod. So I'm having to hold the camera. And when you're filming for him, it's different because I have to be on the ready. Because you don't know when the fish is going to bite. Mm -hmm. So you have to be on the ready to start that filming right away. So I can't be fishing with him. I'm standing ready with the camera. So it's definitely a lot easier for me to film myself. I just push the on button and uh, I have a remote control for myself. So yeah, so it's different, but it's a lot of fun. 
Well, it's so, yeah, I think it would be, except for that you can't fish while you're doing the videos, so you do just have to sit there. Yeah. Um, but video production, I think, takes a lot more space than I think most people can imagine. And how do you accommodate having t- two studios and still having room to like make dinner? Well, his studio is outside. So anything that he needs to film, he usually does it outside. He also does cooking videos. So then he's in the kitchen. So his studios don't interfere with mine. I have just basically taken over the household with my studio. So (laughs) yeah, he he does not need to be in my studio. (laughs) Okay, that makes sense. Um, But I know too that you... um, just in talking with you, you have been um, doing a studio move over the last year um, to get to get more space for the videos. And in doing the research for this podcast episode, I was watching lots of different videos and lots of different interviews. And I found a really great video, which is, you know, your studio tour, which is a really popular video. Um, and what I was most struck by is that you have taken all kinds of different items and furniture and decor and completely turned their use upside down and made them work for your studio space. So like, how do you do that? I mean, it's just really creative. When I need to do something or I need an area, whatever I need, I need to find an something to fill that area. So it could be, you know, the little feet or a drawer or some unit. So for me, I go to the secondhand store. It's sort of my playground. The secondhand store, it's kind of a great place to go shopping. Everything's out of the boxes. So I can go and go from shelf to shelf, area to area, and sort of have, if it's, for example, sewing machine feet or thread, I can have them in my hands and walk around the store with these things in my hand and check out different things. And I can test them out because they're already open. They're out of the boxes and I can see them. And then that kind of is what inspires me by seeing all of these unusual things. Because not all cooking things in these secondhand stores are in the cooking area. So wander, yeah. So wandering around gives me a really good idea on uh, different things. So that's I, I, that's my fun place to go, and be creative. And then they're not expensive. So if I bring it home and it doesn't work, it's it's not like it's really expensive. And if I've cut it up, had to remake it, it wasn't a big expense. So and I just learned from it. Yeah. Well, and I noticed too, that you really spend a lot of time thinking about how you're going to use a space. Like, uh, just like your pressing area was one thing that impressed me because no pun intended, um, because you weren't just thinking about, oh, I need a place to iron, you know, and put my iron, but it was like, what kind of iron do I want? How is it going to fit in that space? And then what am I going to be pressing and how much space is that going to take? And so it pulls away from the walls so that you can have fabric behind it. It was just, it's a very thoughtful use of space. Like, is that just kind of who you are or did that develop over trial and error? I think because I've been sewing for a long time, I kind of know the needs that I personally need. Uh, Of course, having videos now, my needs are a little bit different. 
And what I will do is make a list of things that I think are important in that particular area. For example, that pressing area. Sometimes we stand for a long time pressing and well, sometimes my legs get sore. So I wanted to make it so that I could stand and also sit at the same time. So it was on my list, stand and sit. I want the fabric going to the back. So I made a list. So these are things, if you make a list, you might not be able to get them all, but at least you don't forget as you're trying to design that area. And, and bring that list when you go to that secondhand store. Because when you get there, you'll be excited and seeing something and you go, oh, this will work. But then if you look at your list, it might not work. So you have to, it's, it's really good to have a list of, of it. Well, it's making me want to go upstairs and, and rework my studio, but <laughs> I need to leave that off as a different project. Um, and, and, you know, going back to the video, I wanted to kind of get into your, your brand behind So Very Easy. And like every brand has a visible signature. And one time when you and I were walking the floor at Quilt Market, you told me what your you know, your brand signature was, and I thought it was really surprising. So like, can you, sh are you willing to share what it is? It's my gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I was kind of surprised, but you told me you're like, I can never cut my hair. And I thought, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, so uh, when you have so many viewers, you end up with a YouTube representative and you can have interviews with them. So the one time I was having an interview and I, we were talking about the thumbnails. Now, those are the little pictures that you see that sort of give you an idea of what the video is about. A lot of thumbnails um, will show you just the product. So I had inquired, should I change the thumbnails and take me out and just have a close-up of the product that I'm making? Because then you'd be able to see the product closer. It would be a closer view. And he said, just a moment, let me check. So he goes and checks his stats and I don't know what all they can check. They can check a lot more than I'll ever know or I'll even understand. And he starts laughing and he said, oh no, 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 no. He says, you must always be, your face must always be in a thumbnail. And I went, why? And he said, because people are recognizing you with the long white hair. So, and he said, so just in case you need to know, you never will be able to cut your hair again. <laughs> Either that or it's got to be the biggest video reveal ever, right? <laughs> well, and, and that, that kind of must be really um, kind of surreal about being so recognizable as a public personality. Like, what, what's that like? It's very strange. Um, the first time someone recognized me, I was trying to figure out how I knew them. So I'm at Walmart shopping and there's this woman, she keeps wanting to come up and say hello. So you kind of know, you know, by eye contact that they're wanting to say something to you or they're thinking they recognize you. So of course I'm looking at her trying to figure out how do I know her? I don't recognize her. Oh, come on. Think, think, think. You must know her somehow. So the whole time I'm shopping, I'm trying to figure out how I know her. In the meanwhile, she's trying to figure out how to approach me and say hello. And um, it was her daughter who finally just came over and said, my mom wants to say hi to you. 
And I went, oh, I'm sorry, I don't recognize her. And she said, well, no, of course you don't recognize me. You don't know me. And I was like, oh, so it was kind of a bit of a shock. And I thought, oh, she recognized me. There's someone who actually watches the videos, even though the numbers are there. I don't know, because I don't see them. I, mm -hmm. I, I just don't think people are watching, even though I see the numbers. So when someone um, comes and says hello, you know, first of all, I immediately you think, do I know this person? And then you have to flip gears and go, no, they know me. I don't know them. So, but it's a lot of fun. I absolutely love it when people come up and talk to me, you know, because then I get to see, talk to them and see what they've enjoyed. And, you know, and it is almost like meeting a new old friend. Well, that's true. And you do get at the sewing events, you do get recognized quite a bit. I will say that. Um, yeah. And, but your audience, what's kind of unique is that your audience is really varied um, from the novice to the experienced sewist. And is it difficult to kind of provide content for both ends of that spectrum? When I started the videos, my videos were all about what am I sewing? And then that way they were just going to join me into what I want to sew. And I kind of kept that. So I figure what I'm sewing, then I'm just going to share that. And then from those videos, I'll get comments. Oh, I would love to see this or, oh, this has inspired me to do that. And then that sort of inspires me to do other things. Because if people are telling me, you know, oh, I like this little thing you did, but could you do this? Then I'm like, oh, I never thought of that. So then I'm, I'm off doing that project. So I think because I'm not just trying to focus on quilting, I'm able to focus on everything. And I'll do some of the very simplest little things that I just want to do for myself, pull out the camera and I start filming. So pretty much everything I sew, that camera is on. The other thing that you're kind of well known for, um, in addition to you, um, is kind of your really relaxed, it's all good approach to quilting and sewing. And I know you feel that's really important. And I was wondering, you know, why is that so important? Well, sewing is a hobby, hence the word hobby. We don't need to sew. We don't need it for warmth. We don't need to sew for clothing. We don't need to sew for all of these things. We are really sewing just because it is a hobby. And because it's a hobby, hobbies are meant to be fun. We should be enjoying them. So if something is not turning out the way you want or you're struggling with a little bit, you know, try not to get upset. Try not to dwell on the negative. Just sort of remind yourself this is a hobby. And like any hobby, we do have a learning curve. I mean, even if it's golf, you're, you're going to have to learn that fishing. You're not always going to have a good day. doesn't matter what <laughs> hobby it is. You know, you're not going to always have a good day. But a good day doing your hobby is definitely better than a good day going to work or doing housework or what something maybe is not your hobby. So, you know, just just realize that it's it's okay to make make mistakes. And those mistakes could turn into uh, learning opportunities or an amazing project that you never expected. So mistakes are good. Hard days are good. 
we just have to not be so hard on ourselves. Yeah, definitely. No, and I hear what you I hear what you're saying. <laughs> um, well, and you know, speaking of like like the current climate and everything, I'm sure that you're aware that sewing machine sales have increased exponentially during the pandemic. And so many people are either starting to sew that haven't done it before, or they're picking it up after like maybe a really long absence, or they learned when they were younger and haven't done it since. And have you seen that reflected on your channel? Yes, I find a different age bracket that's picking sewing up now, where I think there was an area where, you know, the younger people that are home having children with busy lifestyles, those are the ones that don't have time for sewing as a general rule. But I'm finding those are the women and the men that are picking up the sewing because they're finding they had a little bit more time and they've discovered that they really are enjoying that creativity. So there is a lot, and I do have a lot of uh, new comments coming on where people are wanting to learn how to sew all over again. So it is, it's actually so wonderful to see. To me, it's a hobby that I could not imagine my life without. You know, it has got me through, you know, times where I just needed something that I couldn't buy, but also it was a time that maybe when I wasn't feeling so well, it was a good pick me up. So I can't imagine um, not having it. So I hope that these new people have picked it up will have the same, the same love. Well, and has that, um, ha have these new audience members affected the videos you've been creating or do they just kind of follow along as they can? I try to have them follow along as they can, but I also am listening to the comments. So that if there's a lot of people that are commenting on one thing, I will try to reintroduce that. Even though I maybe did a video about that three or four years ago, I might redo that video. Uh, maybe in a different way that maybe the newer audience is needing. And there's also newer notions that can make that easier. So I do really try to listen to the comments as much as I can and try to answer those through videos as much as I can. Well, what advice would you give to those people who are trying to learn to sew or quilt um, or pick it back up while they're stuck at home and they can't go somewhere and ask somebody in person? Like, what should they be trying to do to kind of troubleshoot that learning curve? Uh, I think most people are afraid of the sewing machines. And I think once we are on the machine, we're not afraid of it, but the new sewers are afraid that they're going to do something wrong. So my biggest advice, I have two things that I tell new sewers to do. Number one, air sew. So air sewing and air quilting is the thing that I like to do. Take your thread out. So you have no thread in the bob and no thread in the top. Leave your needle in. And if you have a computerized machine, you're going to have to override it because the newer machines are going to say, hey, you have no thread. So you might have to turn that off. But a lot of the machines doesn't have that feature. And the machine sews just as well with no thread, with thread. And put a piece of fabric in, put that foot pedal down and sew as fast as you can. Sew as slow as you can. Try different stitches. Try different things 
without thread. And what that does is it gives you some encouragement because you know that you're not going to tangle anything. You're not going to really break anything because there's nothing that can break. It's jamming the thread that will break the needle. And really, that's the only thing that can happen. But it's still that fear. But if you have no thread in, you can do no wrong. So go really fast, go really so, turn corners, try different stitches, try all those fun things. And then the other thing is once you got over that, um, the fear of that machine, you've also developed the comfort level. You need to become one with your machine and that's a good way. But when you're having a difficult thing and you're not sure how to accomplish it, sew with paper towels. So oh. <laughs> paper towels sew exactly the same as fabric. So you could, if you're doing a collar and you can't get that corner, cut out that pattern in, in paper towel and practice, practice making that collar with that paper towel. We could use scrap uh, fabric, but sometimes we don't have the fabric to use. So by sewing on the paper towel, we haven't wasted anything. It's the machine works the same. So keep the thread in and actually do it. And then afterwards, well, we can just use the paper towel to clean with. <laughs> so, I would yeah, have I never thought of that. Anything. Oh, paper towel is amazing. I have sewn with paper towel many, many different projects just because, you know, it's maybe, is it going to work if I sew this way and then that way and this way? And if I turn it inside out or right side out, what's it going to look like? Well, I can, let me tell you, I can go through a lot of fabric, you know, designing things that have not done before, been done before. So paper towels are great. And then I just use them to clean with afterwards. So I have really funny paper <laughs> towels to clean with. I bet. Um, and then do you have to clean the machine more frequently because the, the paper, like the paper towel has dust, right? It does have a little bit more dust, but once I've figured out what I'm doing, there you go. Just take the paper towel and clean everything. You know, <laughs> I, and I have a big fat paintbrush that I just give a good brush, my feed dogs, uh, where I take the bobbin area out. And I, I will do that often, 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 uh, even often in one day, the big brush sort of just flicks things out and it attaches, the dust actually attaches onto the end of the uh, big paintbrush. And then, you know, every once in a while, I'll give it a good clean. Gotcha. So is, yeah, that sounds like fun. I've never actually heard of anybody sewing on paper towels. So that's really cool. Yeah, paper towel and air and air and air quilting or air sewing. Well, and um, so just not to segue too much, but going back to the kind of being stuck at home and, and learning to do new things. And I know that you've actually ended up doing a couple on-demand projects based on the pandemic. Can you talk a little bit about what those are and how they came about? Well, I had a nurse contact me and she said she was making scrub caps. And she had said, okay, these scrub caps are way too complicated. They're taking way too long and I need to make lots of them. There's gotta be an easier way. So she had contacted me and said, if anybody thinks outside of the box, it's you, please design a scrub cap that's really quick. Now, I'm not a nurse, I'm not a medical profession, 
at all. So I don't know if there's rules or should they be certain ways. So we spent a long time on the phone finding out what their needs were. And so I just got to the cutting table and I just kept cutting fabric and I paper towels and make miniatures and then get it to the size that I want. And then I made the scrub cap and then I did the video. But before I did the video, I had to have her on a video chat so that she could see the scrub cap. Is this what you're looking for? Is this going to work? And then I did the video. Then after that video, there was such a request for making it for even longer hair or shorter hair or changing the elastic. So then I had to do a second one. (laughs) But it was a lot of fun to do. And I actually now I have, of course, I have a few scrub caps and and I, I use them every day, not just because of this pandemic, but if I'm painting, I have a lot of hair that gets in my face. I just put that on and my hair just stays out of the way. If I'm cleaning or doing whatever, I, I just put that on and it, it's great. So it's turned out to be a bonus for me. <laughs> well, yeah. And I know that that was one of those projects that was just like crazily popular. Yes. So that's great. And then, you know, you and I, we've both worked from home for a really long time, way before everybody pretty much worked from home. And do you feel like working from home has changed at all over the past year? For me, not so much, because that's what I'm used to. But talking to a lot of people, they find it's, it definitely has changed. A lot of people find it difficult working from home. They thought it was great working from home. Oh, well, well, you're home. You could do some laundry and cook dinner and take care of the kids. And, you know, you think, oh, working from home, you can do all of these things. But from working at home, you really have to pretend you're not working at home. You can't go throw in the laundry. You can't try to do dinner because you're losing that train of thought. You're getting out of that mentality. When I get up and I'm coming into work, I'm dressed. You know, I make sure that I'm fully dressed. I put my shoes on. I'll put my makeup on. I'll even put lipstick on. And I'm not looking at anybody. I'm just maybe sitting at my computer. But it gives me a sense that I am going to work. And it helps set that um, thought process. And I think that's what's really hard is keeping the momentum working at home. Because it's very easy to get distracted and, you know, go throw in that load of laundry and, oh, well, I could do with another cup of coffee or maybe a glass of wine, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really easy to get distracted at home where at work, everybody's working, you uh, feed the, your energy is fed off of all the other people. So you need to create that atmosphere on your own. That's, that's, I think that's the hardest part about working at home is staying focused. Yeah, I hear you. And I know, yeah, it's, it it does feel totally different this year for me because it's just, it's crazy. It's all crazy. Um, And then one thing that I miss, and I don't know if you miss it or not, I'm not, don't want to put words in your mouth, but um, I really miss the shows. So like, how, how are you feeling like you're keeping in touch with the creative community without those in-person events? Well, I have spent a lot more time on the computer researching. So I'm trying to research 
companies that I normally use, I, I'm on the phone with them. What's new? What do you have new coming out? That type of stuff. I follow, I'll, I'll look at Facebook. I'll look, look at Pinterest for new products that are coming out. Because that's where people want to show them, oh, look, there's this new product out. I also, you know, go through distributor magazines and go through what's new. You know, even, for example, there are stores, big online stores. If you shop online, they have, ta- you know, they have a little link that says what's new in the show, what's new in the store. I'm always what's new in the store, checking out those new things. That way I can see what's new out because that's, that's I, I'm not I'm not at these events to feel and touch and see all of them. So I've had to find ways of finding what's new. And then mm-hmm. I have to order them and get them in so I can feel and touch them. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it's it's one thing to see it. It's another to have it. Um, you have to have it. You've got to touch it. Exactly. Well, and I know too that the current climate, the pandemic and everything else is just a very large source of stress for everyone. Even if you don't always feel stressed, you are stressed. Yes. Um, So what have you been doing to kind of combat that added stress? I've been reaching out to others. So for example, if I know someone that lives on their own, I've made a point of calling them just out of the blue. It's someone that maybe I know is maybe having a little bit of a hard time. I'll reach out to them. I'll drop off things at their door and not let them know who they're from. So it's sort of like a secret Santa, you know, I'll drop it off at their door. And I know at some point they're going to open that door or you knock on the door and you run away really quickly so that they can (laughs) see you. You remember Nikki, Nikki nine door when we were kids? Well, I do kind of that. And that way, when they open the door, they've got this little surprise. And I think it breaks up their day. And really, as much as I'm thinking I'm helping others, it's really helping me because it gives me other things to think of. It gives, I spend time thinking, oh, what can I do now for this person or this person? And so when you're starting to think on how you can try to reach out to someone else, you're actually helping yourself, or at least I find I'm helping myself. I have a little girl who lives next door. So of course she was, you know, she had to be taken out of school. She wasn't allowed to play with her friends. And so I would get a little paper bag and put little crafty things and hang it on her door. And I knew she was making these, you know, because Of course, I would see her with this little project or something. And as it turned out, she was sending me secret things at my door. So she was making, she made chocolate chip cookies and she wrapped them up and put them on the door, but she didn't do them as if they were a secret. She let me know that they were from her. But in the meanwhile, she has no idea that I'm the one that's been dropping off all of these fun projects for her to do. So I kind of been going through my sewing room. What do I not need anymore? Or what can I give her so that she can play with it? And, you know, and then if I'm finished a project that I made, not necessarily because I needed it, because I just needed to make it. um, If I know someone that's going to need it, I've been dropping it off at their door. 
And it's kind of exciting because now I know that I'm making that project for them. They don't know it. So it's taking my mind away from things. It's making me think of more fun things to do. And that's sort of helping me not feel so overwhelmed with this craziness that's going on. You know, I have to say that that might actually be the healthiest coping strategy I've heard yet. (laughs) (laughs) Helping others really does help you. Yeah, except for now, every time I think of you, I'm going to think of you doing like a a doorbell dash. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's, I've done that. (laughs) <laughs> I and I can totally picture it. That's the best part. Some people are wise to me. They kind of know it's me, you know, but uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of nice that I'm not trying to invite myself in for dinner and I don't want them to feel that they need to have conversation with me because they're not ready to have conversation with me. We couldn't see each other. We had to be so many feet away and it's really not much fun talking six feet away if I'm at the bottom of the stairs. Um, so then they'll go, give me a call afterwards to go, well, just the strangest thing has happened. Really? <laughs> you know, so then yeah. that starts another whole conversation, you know, and then they're going, oh, that was a great idea. I did this to so-and-so and I, and it sort of just does uh, is, you know, I kind of just think, if we think about what we can do to help other people, it really does help us. Yeah, that's great. Well, and I wanted to talk a little bit about like where you and I got to know each other. Um, And I think I was trying to look back and I think it was in 2016 that you and I first got together to talk about sharing some of your projects in a book, which is a really, really different medium from video. And I was, you know, what was the tipping point where you said, you know, I need to take some of what I've been doing and share it as a book? I've always wanted to write a book for years and years and years and years and years and years. I actually had manuscripts that are many, many years old that I started because writing was a form of teaching and I love teaching but I really never had the opportunity to do the book. So I ended up turning into video and just figured video was going to be fine. But I had so many people want the patterns that I've designed and I don't, as a general rule, write the pattern. When I do the video, I'm really good at talking, not so good at writing out those patterns. So a lot of people wanted the patterns written. So that was like, okay, all right, I'll write the patterns. You've twisted my arm. So then it, <laughs> I, you know, so then it was, so now I ended up writing the book that I wanted to write, you know, 30 years ago. So it kind of went, I, it took a long, it, it was a long walk around the block to get to where I originally wanted to go. So, so now I'm doing two different things. Well, and so which which do you enjoy more? Because when we do talk books, you're like, well, here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> but in the meantime, you're churning out more than 100 videos per year, which to me is like an amazingly daunting kind of concept. I think videos would be, would be my love. I love making the videos. Um, I cannot write as quick as I can think. And I cannot write as quick as I can talk and um, make things. So by 
and and I'm sort of a bit of a speed demon. I like to keep busy and just to sit down and and type directions. It seems like very slow to me where I could just like, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to do this. So for me, I like that um, quickness of being able to get a project done from the thought process all the way to the finished process where writing it, you know, and then you have you have to make sure is it making sense that someone else can understand it? Oh, and did I spell that right? And is that the right word? You know, where in the videos it's it's easier to speak for me than it is to write. Well, and I find that just amazingly impressive because I will say you are somebody who's very busy, you're very organized, you're very methodical, and yet even with that as just kind of who you are, I know that those videos can take a huge number of hours per per five minute video. So like, how long does it take to do one of those videos? If I'm making a quilt, you have to remember that I am actually making that entire quilt. So if your quilt is taking you 10 hours, I am still spending 10 hours making that quilt plus probably four or five hours filming plus two or three hours editing and then don't forget I've already I've had to buy the product uh, research what I wanted to do no different than anybody else buying the fabric that they need for a quilt so a quilt video can take me 20 hours to make a simple video where it's a notion or something would take me approximately five hours. Even though it might only be a two or three minute video, I'm still having to go out, get that product. I have to uh, train myself or get trained on that product. Then I want to come up with some project on using it. Then I do have to set up the lighting and the camera, film it take it from the camera, put it into the computer, edit it, put it up, load it, download it. So even though it's a simple, simple video, it's not a simple, simple timeline. The timeline is still long. I work minimum, if I'm lucky, I work 40 hours a week. It's usually a lot more, but it's a hobby that I've turned into a career. So it doesn't feel like I'm working 40 hours a week. <laughs> <laughs> which is lucky. Otherwise you'd be definitely burnt out by this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I get to sew again today. Oh, yay. I wake up, I wake up sometimes two, three o'clock in the morning thinking, Oh, I want to go downstairs and make this project. Oh, wait, Laura, go back to bed. Then <laughs> and I'm already excited. And so I, I end up going down and starting anyway. So, so even if I'm not doing it, you know, my brain is like, oh, you know, I could do something new. This is something that's happened. Or I, I might see something or think of something in the middle of the night, which I shouldn't be. <laughs> I, then I have to go down and start it. So it's a bit of an obsession, I think. It's not a career and it's an obsession. <laughs> well, but at least you're enjoying it. I mean, that's really the, at the end of the day, that is what is important. I do. Yes, I do enjoy it. Well, and so um, anybody who wants to, they can go and just go onto YouTube and look for So Very Easy, and that's S-E-W, Very Easy. Right. Um, is there anywhere else that they can kind of keep up with what you're doing? I am on social media, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I'm not on there a lot because of the 
the time. I'd rather spend the time sewing than being on Facebook and Instagram, but I am there and I will share things there and people are able to reach me that way and show me the projects they have done. And that's exciting is to see what projects they have created, uh, which you can't do that on YouTube, but I can do that on, on Facebook. So I get to see your projects on Facebook, which is, which is really a lot of fun. Oh, nice. I'll have to go. I have to keep up on that one. Um, and then, so is there anything else that you've got coming up? I mean, I know you've been executing a humongous studio move this last year. Anything else you have coming up that you think people should be aware of or be on the lookout for? Well, I mean, we are talking about the new book, you know. Oh, of course, to, right. Of course, you know. <laughs> So we're going to be working on a new book, but besides the book and the move and two videos a week and Facebook and Instagram, you mean besides all of that? Oh, yes, of <laughs> course, I've got more going on. So I am almost ready and it might even be by the time we're finished, it might be ready. I'm starting a new project, a new I don't even know what to call it. Let's just call a new endeavor. And it is, and you don't even know about this. I've not even told you. No. So it is a way of quilters being able to connect and stay together through all of this. It also has a lot to do with traveling. So it's traveling and connecting. And this is something that a lot of people can do. And it might be something that companies might be interested in taking part of. So that is going to be coming out in a couple of weeks. But I can't share any more with you. So you're going to have to stay tuned and see. Excellent. But, so but where, where do they stay tuned? Do they just make sure to, to watch all the videos? Is it going to be a video reveal? Like how oh, can yes. they make sure that they don't miss it? It will be a video review. Yeah. And now a lot of people don't realize it, that if you do subscribe and you don't get notifications, uh, you need to ring the bell. So when you subscribe, there is a little bell there uh, and you only need to ring that bell once. You don't need to do it with every video. And then you will get a notification that, hey, so very easy to put out a video. And that's where I'm going to be introducing this. And so it, I'm not sure if it's going to be on one of the Tuesdays or the Thursdays videos. I'm just waiting to get all the materials ready and they should be all coming in the mail. I should have everything soon so that I can get the packages ready. And then I will actually have a new website all around that. Gotcha. All right. I will def we'll definitely be on the lookout. And um, I will say from experience... The little subscription bell works because um, my youngest is on my YouTube account because I want to make sure I keep an eye on what he's watching and he subscribes to everything. <laughs> 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 and being a younger person, he knows how to subscribe to things. So I, yeah, the announcements work and they work in spades. <laughs> yeah, they absolutely. Yeah. So, and the bell doesn't mean that I mean, and you know this, that I can't see who's subscribed or who's rung the bell. It's, it's just a way of YouTube knowing that you want to be notified. So mm -hmm. it's really just an extra way of them saying, oh, yes, I'll, I'll make sure that she knows or he knows. 
Exactly. Well, you do the two videos a week, not 12, which is a completely different thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, choose enough. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I know that you do have all of this going on and you're super busy. So I very much appreciate you taking time to just chat. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Oh, I enjoy chatting. Like I said, the talking part I can do. It's the typing part that's a little bit more of a challenge. <laughs> even my even my emails are probably very short. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they they get the point across and we all move forward. So it's it's very effective. <laughs> there we go. Phew. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for inviting me. It was always it's always fun talking to you. This is Roxanne Serta. Thanks for listening to Behind the Scenes. Want to know more about our outstanding group of authors and their books? Visit us online at CT Publishing on Instagram, Twitter, our CNT Publishing channel on YouTube, or on our website at ctpub.com.